0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today, in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's Morning Bible Study. We're in Exodus chapter 24. We made it all the way there. It is important as we get started in Exodus chapter 24, that you understand that this is the culmination of the deliverance out of Egypt for the people in regard to their relationship with God. Now obviously the ultimate culmination of them being delivered out of Egypt is them entering into the promised land or the promises of God. But this is the this is the ceremony that that brings about The covenant relationship that God has with these people. Now, he's already performed according to, if you're under contract law, he's already performed under the contract, and he is going to uh, continue to perform under the contract. But this is the ceremony. This is a ceremony that cements the relationship with God and his people. and It's an important ceremony. It's a unique ceremony as far as covenants are concerned. And remember in the Old Testament, we have five that are important in the progression of the revelation of Jesus and his final covenant. And I, I say it all the time that Jesus pronounced his covenant and and the ceremony that took place to to bring about that covenant was done in the upper room in the night before he was crucified. He said, a new covenant I give you in my blood. Now, then the covenant performance of the covenant, the, the offerings that were made by him the next day on the cross, but all the covenants in the Old Testament point toward that, and covenants are important because they are eternal contracts. Every other contract is temporal. In fact, in the law, most contracts have to have some form of end or an ability to identify an end. And maybe that end is not in a short period of time. In fact, in, in, in Alabama, you can't lease land for more than 99 years. That, that is an end to that lease. There has to be an end to that. And all covenant, all contracts have to have some identifiable way for them to end in order for them to be really legal. But that being said, in, in, in a covenant contract, it has no end. There is no end to it. It is a spiritual, eternal contract that is made between people and God. And so you have the, con- the covenant contracts or the covenant relationships or the covenants that are given to us in the, New Test- in the Old Testament, the first one being the, the Adamic covenant, the covenant with humanity that God says he is going to bring about, bring humanity back to the place where he originally set them up. And he is going to bring them back to Eden, back to a time where they have whole, complete fellowship with him, back to a time where they have complete relationship with him. And they are perfect, and they are sinless, and they're back in his full image. Then the second covenant that you have is is the nomadic covenant, and that is the covenant of God's wrath. God saying that he is not going to destroy the earth through flood ever again. And that, at the end, the only reason he was going to we, he would destroy the earth is to make a new heaven and a new earth, and the destruction is not for the destruction of people. it would be to set things perfectly right uh, again. And so that is a, a a covenant with humanity. And then you had the Abrahamic covenant, which is a specific covenant. And in that covenant you had the introduction inter, inter, introduction of blood because it is an atoning covenant. It is a covenant of payment for sin, not completely, not in its fullness, but it has the blood involved in it. And God himself is the one who says that he will die to make that covenant whole and complete, and it's fulfilled in Jesus also. And then you have this covenant, which is the important covenant. The last covenant is the Davidic covenant, and that is pointing to Jesus directly That is a covenant saying that God is going to send a redeemer, and that redeemer is Jesus himself. And so that covenant is important. But this covenant is the uh, covenant where God says, I am going to set apart a people to me, to worship me, to glorify me, and to make me known in the world. And that is the Jewish people. Uh, And that being the Jewish people, that is, it is a important covenant to study. It's important covenant for us to study for our relationship with God. It's an important covenant to study for our understanding of who God is and what he's doing. And it's an important relationship to covenant to study in our understanding of how God is operating in the world we live in. He says, then the Lord said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you, Aaron, Nabab, and Abihu, notice Aaron's sons, his two sons. And by the way, they will later be killed by God because they offer strange fire that's found in Leviticus. And what that means is they offer, they offer a, they worship another God. They bring about a worship of another God in the tabernacle. So we've got Aaron, Nabab, and Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel. You are to worship at a distance. Now this worshiping at a distance, it is an idiom, it's a phrase. And it has a connotation of coming forward. And as you come forward, you progressively, as you take steps coming forward, you bow down and prostrate or get on your face before the person you're coming up to. And it's a picture of being totally submissive. So they would, as they're going, they take, travel a certain distance, get down on their face and worship. Travel a certain distance, get down on their face and worship. So you've got Moses and Aaron and his priestly family and 70 elders, and they are approaching God. The people are hanging back, staying back, and they're approaching God. And as they approach God, as they get to God, they prostrate themselves along the way, and the elders are going to stay back. But Moses alone is to approach the Lord, and the others must not come near. Now, I want you to remember, the reason this is taking place is because they didn't want to come near. The reason that nobody, everybody else doesn't get to come near to God is because the people told Moses to go and be get the information, get the covenant from God, and bring it back to them and tell them what the covenant is. Now, you say, is God holding that against them? And I'm going to say to you, yeah. If you're unwilling to go, draw near to God, there's only close he can allow you to get to him. You have to desire to be close to God. You have to desire to know God. You can't just want the information, and I can't over overemphasize that enough. So many people uh in church life, in in Christian life, really don't desire to draw near to God, really don't have a desire to get too close. They just want they want the redemption. They want a relationship with God. They want to speak with God in some form or fashion, preferably through maybe a pastor, maybe an elder, maybe a maybe a leader in the church, a ministry leader in the church, a minister. They want to definitely hear from God, and they want to hear from God about their lives, but they really don't want to draw near and be proactive in that relationship. They want to have the information given to them, and they want want to be able to know what God's wanting and doing, but they don't really want to get real close to him. And I I always talk about communication and its forms that it takes in life. And, and there are different levels of communication. You have communication where I am sending you information and we do that all the time. Uh, and now that I'm older, there's a lot more methods to do it in. You can send people messages in social media accounts. You can send them a message. They read the message. They send it back. You can send them, you can send them emails or text messages. And those are where you're telling somebody something and they don't even have to respond to it. In fact, a lot of times there's no response uh, required. In fact, sometimes some methods of doing this type of communication, they sell, they say on the bottom of them, do not reply. Have you ever got a text message or an email that says, do not reply. What that means is there's nobody on the other end to listen to your reply. We're just giving you this information. We we don't want to hear what you have to say. That's one way communication. And a lot of believers just want that one-way communication with God. They want God to send them the message, and there'd be no response back to God. And they want to hear just what God has to say. They'll show up and hear what he says through the pastor on Sunday morning in worship, or or maybe through their teacher in a small group setting. And they just want to hear what God has to say. And they're going to bounce that around in their head and say, okay, I'm here, and I'm here to hear what you've got to say, and say it, say it to me speak to me i'm gonna stand over here send me those smoke signals by the way that's the the old-fashioned that's back in the olden days way of sending information over a long distance we didn't have technology we didn't have we didn't have the ability to send it so a lot of times you'd send it and then we got wires and we we strung them across the country and you could actually send something over the wire you could send it in Morse code over the wire but even in those situations oftentimes You just got the information. You did not respond back. And if you did, the response wouldn't get there for a long time, just like the information getting to you oftentimes took a long time. It didn't take a long time over the wire, but it took a long time to get to you because you weren't sitting there waiting on the message. They had to find you and bring the message to you. That kind of communication is communication. But, boy, it's an empty communication, isn't it? Isn't it a a devastatingly narrow communication we have with God. The other type of communication is where you actually do respond back and forth, like a text message or an email, or or maybe even a conversation. And that, that type of communication is a lot more intimate, a lot more important, a lot more valuable. You maybe come to church and you commune with God and you talk to God at church, or maybe you have your quiet time in the morning. And you are always making sure you give God an opportunity to be heard in your life. And you want to hear what he has to say in your life. And that is a, I'm going to tell you, that's a powerful method of communication. It's a powerful resource of communication. You want to hear from God. And so you give him opportunity during the day to hear from him. That that, that, That is very viable, I'm going to tell you. And you can grow into a strong relationship with God and a strong personal walk by communicating with God that way. But I'm going to say to you today that there is another level to that communication with God, and it actually uh, draws from the same, uh, same background. The words have the same background to each other, and that is communal communication with God or communion with God. And when we have communion with God, that's why the Bible teaches us to pray continually. Remember, prayer is just communication with God, and so when the Bible is teaching us to pray continually, what it's saying is have an open line of communication with God. See, Kathleen, my wife and I go off to work during the day, so there's eight, nine hours during the day that we're not Together, but we have an open line of communication throughout the day, meaning I can call her, she can text me. We're constantly at some point in time communicating. She may be in a meeting, she may be working on a project, I may be in court, I may have something major going on that's going to take out two hours of my day where I'm offline, as it were. But generally speaking, there's open and then in the evening, even though how. Women are, they've got twice the vocabulary as a man and they need to speak twice the words. That's on average. That's actually statistically a truth. Women generally speak twice as many words as the average woman and the average man. The woman speaks twice as many words. My wife does a lot of accounting and does a lot of typing on her computer so she don't get to get all her words out during the day. She doesn't get the opportunity to release all those words. And so when we get to the house at night, a lot of times I'm I've drained the tank and I've had to I've had to dig down back into the reserves. I've had to speak a whole lot more than would normally be a day for me of talking, and and so I'm I'm in a deficit, and she's still got a big old surplus of words to say. So she may talk for the first hour or so about everything that's going on, and me me grunt in response or respond very limitedly. But but eventually, all the words have, have been spoken, all that's been told, and then we're either watching something on TV or we're studying through things that we need to study through, and we're sitting together in the living room, and we're still in communication because if something comes up, she'll say something. Last night, she brought something up, and she just was really digging deep, and it was really minor, and I was going, why are you going through all that? And she said, I just want to know, and I go, that's just not, I don't need to hear that. Uh, and that was really I of me. Mean, it was. But it, it is a symbolic of communion. It's uh it's communion, meaning you constantly communing with God or communing with each other. You, there's a open line all the time. And that is far better than just one opportunity to get together and talk. Those that's a human uh, a human way of having communion or having communication with each other. You set aside a time for there to be a meeting. But with intimate relationships, God wants uh, us to have communal relationship with each other. He wants us to uh, to be with him all the time. He wants to join us in our day and have open access to speak to our hearts and us speak to him during the day. And it not be a uh, scheduled time or event, but it, it be a lifestyle of saying who God is and who we want him to be in our lives. And as we study and as we go through the Word of God, He doesn't want us just to have a set-aside time for Him. He wants to have all our time. He wants to be the author of all our lives. And He wants to be with us on a regular basis. And the people of Israel did not get an opportunity to go up and hear exactly what God had to say from His mouth because they sent someone up to bring back the communication that God had for them. And that limited them. And even those who... Uh, got the opportunity to hear from God, did not hear from God all the time, and that limited them. But those of us who now are born again and now have the fullness of these covenants, we have the opportunity to to uh, commune with God on a regular basis all day, uh, each and every hour of day, even the opportunity for maybe him to wake us up like he booked Samuel up uh, as a young boy in the temple. We have an opportunity for God to intervene and in, in, interact in our lives each and every day, all day, and be a part of what's going on with our lives. And we should not take that for granted. We should eagerly seek that. And if you don't have that kind of relationship with God, I'm going to tell you, it's not God's— it has nothing to do with what God wants. That has to do with what you want. You've, you've parceled off time for him, or you've parceled off it days for him to have access to you, but you've co- closed him off to the rest of you. And that is something that you need to dig down in your own heart about with God. Is God, clo- are you closed off to God? Are you closed off to uh, who he is sometimes during the day? Have you have you separated aspects of your life away from him and not given him access to those things so that you can continue to be Lord over those things rather than him being Lord over everything? And if that's the case, then I'd say to you, you need to evaluate that. How are things going in those areas? Is your life a better for it or worse for it. And if you find yourself thinking that your life is worse for it, I would say that would be in line with scripture. I'd say that would be in line with God's revelation to us. That's likely the case. And if you want to have more, the only entity in the universe that's keeping you from having more of God is you. And so I would say, turn to him. If you hear his voice today and you hear his call, Turn and receive what he has to say to you. Be open to communal or communion, communication with God. And he will He will always be there. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm there all the time. I pray that'll be the case for you. I expect it will. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.